Before we start the broadcast of the Wakefield Trinity Heritage podcast, I just wanted to make you all aware of the official sponsors for the 2023 series. Our agency are a full-service digital creative agency specialising in branding, web and content creation. They are delivering results in Wakefield for organisations such as Trinity Walk and the Wakefield Cathedral. And they offer upfront, no-nonsense marketing to help you achieve your goals. Drop them a line, follow them on all their social media accounts or take a look at their website and make our agency your agency. If you're a local business in the Wakefield area and interested in sponsoring the podcast, drop Lee or Jamie a message on the Heritage social media accounts and we'll get back to you as quick as we can. Now, over to you, Cammy. Hi, it's Cammy, Chris Kamara, and you are listening to the Trinity Heritage podcast with Jamie and Lee Robinson. They are unbelievable. Good afternoon, good morning and good evening from wherever you are listening from and welcome to episode 69 of the Wakefield Trinity Heritage Podcast. I am your co-host, Jamie Robinson. Now, this is the sixth instalment in the series of the Trinity Trailblazers and the first of 2023. If you haven't heard of any of this content in the series before, we take you back in time to an era where the players were world-renowned, but they may have been forgotten by now. With the likes of John T. Parkin, Dennis Booker, Harry Wilkinson, a.k.a. Crosland, Billy Simpson, Bill Horton and Mick Exley previously highlighted on the podcast in 2022. So I'm sure you've heard of the likes of Gareth Ellis, Johnny Thompson, Neil Fox and Derek Turner, but have you heard of the likes of Ernest Bennett or Herbert Kershaw? Don't worry, because before these types of podcasts, I hadn't either, and the Trinity Trailblazers series will define and highlight the true legends of our game from an era that seems like years ago. But before we do that, let me introduce you to the man behind all the research, my fellow co-host and my dad, Lee Robinson. Dad, how are we doing? Welcome. What's going on in the in the world of Trinity Heritage this week? Hello, hello, and welcome back to uh, our Thursday uh, podcast. Yeah, we're always busy off the away from uh, away from the podcast. <clears throat> Trinity Heritage these days goes hand in hand with the Players Association, and we're increasing our work and presenting heritage certificates out to past players when we've been involved with uh, when they come back to the club. So when um, Catalan came the other day, we presented Tom Johnston with his certificate. When Hull have been, and when Featherston have been, and when Halifax have been for the friendlies. Uh, we presented various certificates out there. We've done about a dozen already uh, this year. Uh, we were also uh, involved with the trophies for the Featherston the Hull game, the Don Fox Memorial Trophy and the David Topless Memorial Trophy for those friendlies. Uh, we helped design the trophy and uh, invited the family to the game. So that was uh, that was all good stuff over the last month. Superb stuff. And have you put anything of interest on the Heritage social media sites this week? Always, yeah, I'm always putting uh, different stuff on. Uh, I always like uh, what's what uh, on this day in history, um, and I think it was 1975 on the 2nd of March. Um, I saw people who, who listen to this podcast know about my love for David Topless, and uh, he's, my, he's my hero, and we're presently writing a book uh, about his, his story. But on this day, 1975, we played Bramley. You remember old Bramley? Um, we beat them by 50 points to 13. Topo got four tries. But our old friend Terry Crook was on the uh, score sheet as well. He's got 10 goals and two tries. So between them, I think they've got a big headline that night of uh, scoring all those points, six tries and 10 goals between them. So that was on this day in history in 1975. Good stuff. So 
On to the Trinity Trailblazers, arguably one of the most interesting aspects of this podcast, because like I mentioned, last year in 2022, we covered the likes of John T. Parkin, Dennis Booker, Harry Wilkinson, A.K. Crosland, Billy Simpson, Bill Horton and Mick Exley. And for anybody out there who hasn't listened, go back in time on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever they are and have a listen to them for, you know, some legends of our club of days gone by. But this time it's about a bloke called Herbert Goodfellow. And Dad, why have you chosen Herbert Goodfellow for this? Over the years, we've, we've been blessed with some great scrum halves over the years. And from 1920 until 1966, we basically had a core of three players who all played for Great Britain. The first was John T. Parkin. Um, and obviously, if anybody's listened to our John T. Parkin uh, Trailblazers, you know all about him. And we're big fans of John T. over the years. He played from 1920, uh, 1913 to 1930. Uh, Keith Holliday was the last. Um, he played from 1952 to 1964. Uh, in between that, we had Herbert Goodfellow, and he he sort of the, the mainstay of the 30s and the 40s and early 50s. Um, so he was one of our legends. He, he played um, he, he played um, through those 16 years and held the team together in, in um, some of the greatest areas of our of our history. So let's start from the beginning. Herbert's upbringing. Tell us what you know about his roots. Yeah, we know he's, a, he's from Charleston. He was born on the 31st of July, 1916, and lived in Charleston all his life. Despite playing for Trinity and owning a couple of pubs, we do believe he stayed there and lived in Charleston uh, throughout his, his life. His father was called Fred, and he was also a, a Charleston rugby hero long before Herbert. He played for Yorkshire at Rugby Union and played for Rugby League for teams like Holbeck, Dewsbury and Hull back in the early league days when uh, these were fairly good sides. Sadly, Fred died in 1925, uh, age 46. So I never, never saw Herbert actually play for Trinity. So uh, that was quite sad. Uh, Herbert started playing uh, rugby at school. He progressed to Yorkshire Schoolboys in 1930. Uh, but it was often class too small. He was a small little skinny winger in his day, um, way off the professional ranks. And he worked down the pit at the age of 14. And he nearly didn't make it at Trinity. As, as you mentioned, some thought he was too small. Yeah, there's been a few few committee men over the years that sort of um, dismissed various players for being too small and too skinny. David Topless and Nigel Bell, for a start of over the years, were classed as too small and didn't think they'd make it. But back in 1932, he started with the Trinity Juniors. He progressed through the reserves. He was classed as a little skinny winger and weighed about eight stone, went through. Uh, he came through the A team in 1933. And then, again, some directors thought he would just wouldn't make it. He was just too small. Um, but he said they signed him on uh, 30, 1934. Um, he got a contract. Uh, it was immediately given his first team debut because um, the, the we had two main halfbacks, one called Sammy Herberts, one called Edgar Burrows, Edwin Burrows. And they were both injured. So in the through this young little skinny scrum half, he, he played against Keithley. Uh, there was a fellow called Ted Spillane up against him, who was an outstanding scrum half New Zealand player. And, and Herbert scored two tries and they won 17 0. Um, and then the rest, well, I won't say the rest is history, but off he went. They, they did lose 8-0 to Oldham a few days later, but Oldham were a top side in the 30s, played another three games that season. But he was here to stay, and the halfback shirt was his for the next 17 years. That, that great start took a halt in 1935. Yeah, he did pick up some injuries over the years. And just as he got his first team shirt in that first year, when the 1935-36 season started, he broke his leg. Um, and the first match of the season and missed the entire campaign. But he was only 19, so there was still more to come. And, and more, more to come was exactly right in 1936-37, in the season after. Yes, he was still only 20. Um, obviously, he had, he'd had that year out. So he took about six weeks to sort of get going back in the first team. But once he got going, he got picked for Yorkshire. 
Um, back in the day when you had a shadow squad as well, so you had your core one to 13, then you had a shadow scrum half and a shadow full back and a shadow hooker. He was a shadow scrum half, but the other scrum half wasn't injured, so he didn't play. Um, but now, by, by now, by now, he was playing 30 or 40 games a season. Uh, we're talking 1936-37. Uh, we played in our first Yorkshire Cup final for many years against York. Bit of a shock, really. We lost 9-2 to York uh, when we should have beaten them. But uh, And we were also one step away from Wembley in 1937. Uh, we'd beaten Leeds, we'd beaten Halifax, we'd beaten Warrington. Really tough games, and they really got the headlines and big crowds. And we drew Keithley in the semi-final. And Keithley were a lowly side. You know, we thought we should have beaten them quite well. The first match was drawn nil-nil, and the second match we replay we lost five-three. So that was a hell of a shock. And Keithley went on to play witness in the cup final. So that was and that was Herbert's season. It was still only twenty, and he played in York's cup final and was one step away from Wembley. And and around this time as well, he kind of matured from being a bit of a skinny kid to being a bit more broader, developed young bloke. Yeah, we understand working down the pit held that. You know, we're working down the colliery at Shelston. It was a great day. He had a lot of power in his arms. Um, and suddenly you could see that his game game changed slowly and his handing off skills were around the base of the scrum. He picked the ball up at the base of the scrum. He had to give it to his loose forward or he'd make the break himself. And you could see so see the way he handed off his opposition was uh, was uh, improving. Um, his tackling was first class as well. And he was a, a strong little character as the uh, 1930s went. He was fast, he was speedy, his handling was good. Um, and there was one popular quote in this era. There was a fellow called Len Bratley, who was this loose forward. He was a local uh, player from Newton Hill in Wakefield area. Bratley was loose forward, good fellow was scrum half. And if we had a scrum near the line, it was not who will win the scrum, but who was going to score, Bratley or good fella. Um, and that was a that was just as the tide was turning, around about the late 30s. Trinity were uh, coming good. And there was some international recognition to come as well. Yeah, he was often classed as one of the best uncapped scrum halves in the league by the uh, 1930s, late 30s. There was a representative side called the Rugby League 13, which was just a, a, like a League 13, not so much English, not so much Welsh, but sometimes just pick the best of the best to take on France or to take on uh, Wales or to take on a touring team. And he got picked for this um, league side uh, in 1937. Um, selected to reserve... Against Wales, it was at Newcastle. Why it took it to Newcastle, whether they were trying to uh, spread the game up there, but I think they had a league team in the late 30s. Uh, the scrum half pulled out and Herbert was in and drafted in, but Wales lost. Uh, Wales won 15-12, but Herbert, Herbert had his first representative uh, honour. Uh, it was also selected for the same league team the following season when he uh, went to France on tour and played three of the five games, including a 25-13 win over France. And he started to establish himself in, in the Yorkshire team too, didn't he, in the late 30s? He did. He kept picking up injuries. You know, we talked about the broken leg in a few years earlier. In 1938, he broke his collarbone early on. Um, but he came back. I think he was only out six weeks. So a broken collarbone in the late 1930s to come back in six weeks was quite good. Um, he got picked for Yorkshire against Lancashire at Rochdale. They lost 19-9, lost again. But he kept his place for the following season, so he's quite a regular in that Yorkshire side in the 1938-39-40 era. And he was often classed as, as like you said before, the best uncapped scrum half in the league, but that changed in 1939. He did eventually got his England cap. Um, and we're not sure whether he got an England cap, because back in the day, we don't know whether it was stretched all that way back. That they often said you had to play for England twice before you got your cap. Well, Herbert only played once. It was in 1939 against Wales at Bradford, and he lost 16-3 uh, again. 
Um, but uh, I'm going to soon find out. I'm going to a, a do at Charleston in a couple of days, and I'm hopefully going to meet Herbert's son. So hopefully I'm going to quiz him and see if he did get a cap or not uh, for these uh, for his England and Yorkshire uh, um, exploits. And you know we've mentioned this a couple of times as as uh, as was the modern day as with COVID and it stops the world stops still as, as it did in 1939 when the Second World War came. It was a bit of a, a bad time for Trinity just because we were starting to build a good team as well. We did, yeah. We had a good look, look when I've done the research of the late 30s, we were on a roll. You know, we had Herbert at Scrum Half, we had Len Marston coming through a hooker, we had Len Bradley at um, Luke's forward, Billy Teal at fullback. We had some good internationals in that side. Harry Murphy and Mick uh, Mick Exley were, were around. Um, Bill Orton had retired by then, but we had a core good side and we were climbing up the league slowly. And the um, the newspapers and the, the scribes at the time said Trinity were going to be the team of the 40s. But like you say, the war came along. Um, by the end of the war, all the old heads were then too old. The young ones um, were sort of settled a little bit. We lost a few through the uh, war years. Um, and that was come 1946. We didn't have a bad year in 46, but the momentum had gone. We'd lost that momentum of uh, being the team of the 40s. What did, what did Herbert do through the war years? He was a coal miner, I, I believe. I think he still worked down the pit. He continued to work through the through the war, so he didn't get called up. Um, the coal miners didn't get called up back in the day. Um, he played a total of 144 games in that period. So through those five, so Trinity still played. Uh, many times they didn't have a full side, so those were the days when they had to borrow players from other teams if they didn't have a, a good uh, a full side. But he played 144 games in in those five or six years. Um, and he also went to Buckley and Castleford in 1939 and 41, which I didn't know at the time. Um, I, I, that, that came out in um, recent research. So when Buckley needed a scrum half and Castleford needed a scrum half, Trinity maybe not playing that weekend. So Herbert went and played uh, played for those. Still living in Charleston, a place called, I don't know Charleston streets too well, but he lived in Bond Terrace back in the night, back in the war years. So did um, them 144 games classes on his Wakefield stars? Oh, yeah, yeah. The First World War, when the First World War played, you know, one of the First World War was uh, happening, the appearances didn't count because they're all friendlies. These were actually wartime leagues. So, yes, they all count towards his um, appearance records. And we've talked about this as well, but when, when the Second World War came to a, came to a finish, the 1945-46 season was great in, uh, in Trinity's history. It was, and Herbert was the brains behind the, the team when the war finished, 1945-46. We started with that 71-0 pushing of Leeds. We talk about it every now and again. Um, we always like a bit to beat Leeds, and 71-0 must have been quite special. What we don't talk about too much is that later on in the season, they beat us 20 points to five, um, but we don't talk about that too much. But on a roll, that, that season was a tremendous season. We finished third in the league. We got to the Championship semi-final, lost to Huddersfield. Uh, we got to the Yorkshire Cup final, and I think we lost to Bradford that year. We got to Wembley and won the Cup and beat Wigan that year. And he was inspirational, was uh, Herbert, throughout the whole season. He guided the team around the field. And I met Jackie Perry many years ago. He was the winger of this era, long, just before he died. And he, 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 couldn't talk high, he couldn't talk highly enough of Herbert. The brains behind the team, that's all he ever said. And he and he sort of took us to Wembley and helped us beat Wigan uh, to win the Challenge Cup in 1946. He's quite unlucky not to get picked for the tour as well. 1946 Great Britain tour. He was quite unlucky to uh, not get uh, picked for that. And he played for Yorkshire in that season as well. What was it? Was his time catching up with him after these war years? Yeah, because he'd had a testimonial as well. So bear in mind, he played 
he joined in 1934. Now we're talking 1946, 47, 48. So it's 14 years on. So he's in his early 30s. He was also ill. He had a thrombosis um, for a while. The doctor told him to pack in, but, um, but he defied medical advice and continued. He actually continued and he was actually captain from 1948 to 51. Um, and at the fourth time of asking, we won the Yorkshire Cup. Uh, so we had, he did have a winner's medal at last, to his, well, along with his uh, other medals from Wembley and so. But he got a Yorkshire Cup medal in 1947. We beat Leeds. We had a 7-7 draw and then we beat them 8-7 in the replay. Um, he played in three other finals, 1936, 1940 and 1945. We'd lost all those three finals, Yorkshire Cup finals. And like many other players over the years, he started losing patience with the uh, with the Trinity committee. Yeah, so many have over the years, haven't they? I think he just got frustrated with the directors and the committee. He kept putting transfer requests in. They kept turning him down. Um, he, he refused to play. Uh, he played 400 games in early 50, but by October he'd had enough. He played against Oldham, and then Oldham came in for him. Um, and he was transferred to Oldham in uh, early 1952. So I don't know what it was like getting to Oldham in 1952 on a regular basis. Um, but he retired. Uh, he had a season or two at Oldham and retired at age 35. And so what do we know after Herbert, after his playing days? We believe he, he ran a pub in town. There's a pub called the Jacobs Well Tavern. I remember it. It's gone now. Uh, I remember it. It's roughly where the um, Trinity Walk is now, um, where there used to be a big cooling tower or a big gas gas tower there on Jacobs Wall Lane. There was a tavern there called the Jacobs Wall Tavern. So in the 50s, he ran that, uh, but continued to live in Shelston um, until his um, failing health. Um, he, he, saw, uh, he died in 1997, aged 81. Um, I actually uh, once met him. Um, I didn't really know him at the time, long before Trinity Heritage. Um, but it was a presentation night uh, in Wakefield. Um, and it was quite funny because we it was um it was an evening at Casanovas, if anybody remembers where the nightclub was, Casanovas on that rooftop gardens. It was the greatest ever post-war Trinity team they were voting for. And when he got to Scrum Half, they announced Keith Holiday. And a good fella got up and said, I was far better than him. I was the best Scrum Half ever. And he walked out, and that's the only time I ever met him. But that's an argument for another day. Who's the best? Was it Jonathan Parkin? Was it Keith Holiday? Was it Herbert Goodfellow? And uh, just to round it all off, what is Herbert's legacy at Trinity? Well, he was the greatest player of his era, 1930s, 1940s. When you look at the side we had, as I said, we were we were on the verge of being the, the team in the 1940s. And he was our leader, our captain, and on, on our, our brains behind the team, as people have said. He was that good. He was the Jonathan Parkin of his day. Um, was he the greatest scrum half ever? Again, that's a that's one for another day. John T. Parkin, Keith Holiday. We've had a few recently as well. Um, but he thought he was, but that's uh, an argument for another day. Brilliant stuff. And, and just an, another brilliant trailblazer, just to highlight the, the amount of talent we've not only had in our ranks, but actually brought through our ranks as well and born in the Wakefield area. Exactly, yeah, he comes come through. Because the other the other thing is, like Charleston is a big rugby, we all know Charleston's a big rugby league area. Um, and we've got we now we've got 30, 29 players in a Trinity Hall of Fame. In our when we were doing it initially, we put eight in at a time, and we had I think four out of our first sixteen came from Shelston. There was Neil Fox, Don Fox, Jonathan Parkin, and Herbert Goodfellow went in. So we inducted Herbert Goodfellow into the Hall of Fame in about now two thousand and fifteen, I think. So yes, we've got um, an all the born and bred in and around Shelston Wakefield area. A lot of our Hall of Famers. Superb stuff. Brilliant. Really enjoy them ones. 
Thank you, everybody, for li- to listening for episode 69 of the Wakefield Trinity Heritage Podcast and the sixth instalment of the series of the Trinity Trailblazers, highlighting Herbert Goodfellow. For more updates on the history of Wakefield Trinity, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thank you to my co-host, Lee Robinson, once again. We will catch you on Monday night as we have Wakefield Trinity's current club captain, Matty Ashurst, on the podcast hopefully after a win against Huddersfield at home on Friday night, and it can be some good news and we can have a good, happy, joyful interview with Matty Ashurst. Thank you once again for everybody for listening. I've been Jamie Robinson, and we will catch you all down the road. Hi, it's Cammy Tris Kamara. You have been listening to the Trinity Heritage Podcast. With Jamie and Lee Robinson. It's unbelievable!